Hello. How's it going? Great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for asking. Good. Welcome to the School Bridge Podcast. I'm Piers. I'm Maggie. And this is episode six, where we're talking about the best routines and procedures for your classroom. So I think we've all heard that story. I don't know if it's true. It might be teacher folklore of the teacher who's running late. Right. They always say it in like teacher training programs yeah. or some professional development. We'll call it. We'll call her Mrs. Folklore. I like that. But essentially, Mrs. Folklore is running late. She's about 15 minutes late. We don't know if she's got a flat tire or something or she's just leaving the house late. But she's not there when her kids arrive at class. Yeah. And she's got younger kids and they walk into the classroom and they turn in their homework. They get their folders out. They put their backpacks in the right location. They sit down. They open up their workbooks and they get started on their bell work. Yeah, they start their bell work. The, the person whose job it is to pass everything out does so. They have all their materials for the day, and they truly get started on the day. They change the date on the board. Mm -hmm. They make sure that everybody has their basket out. Yeah. And the neighboring teacher comes in just mm -hmm. to check on something. Yeah. Catch up on teacher gossip. Exactly. And they come in, and they notice that the teacher isn't there, but all the kids are at their desks doing their work. Like all the pencils are organized, all the materials are in the right spot, they have their workbooks open, and they're silently working. And they, they can't believe it. They're floored that the kids are doing such an excellent job. Right. And there's no teacher in sight. And Mrs. Folklore had done such a good job with her routines and procedures that even when she wasn't there, when she was running late, the kids knew exactly what to do, and they got started. Yeah. So Mrs. Fork Folklore arrives, and she's able to just pick up and start the lesson. And as, there's no time lost. As if she was there the entire time. Yeah. And obviously, all of our classrooms look like this. Oh, for sure. The, every single day. Every Like, if I'm late, my kids know exactly <laughs> what to do. So, I, I don't know how much... I don't know if that's even true. Right. Or how much of a dramatization it might be. If you're out there, Mrs. Folklore, all the props in the world to you. You're crushing it. You're crushing. But that is sort of like the gold standard. It's something that we can, um, you know, aspire to. And we, we can actually take certain concrete steps to getting our classroom a little closer to hers, you know? So as we're talking about routines and procedures, we have four chapters for today. Mm -hmm. We're starting with the benefits and the why. Then we're going into routines that we all should have, regardless of how old your kids are. Yep. Then how to actually teach those routines. And then some teacher-specific facing routines that you can use to master your craft. Perfect. So there are a lot of benefits and um, reasons why we should all have good routines, consistent routines. One of the most obvious is simply like to the story of Mrs. Folklore, a smooth running classroom, right? It's it's so nice when the little things are taken care of without having to think about them or belabor those points. And you end up actually saving learning time. When those routines are really tight, it might only be a couple minutes, but if you add that up over the course of the entire school year, even just one unit, if you look at it, that can be a lot of instructional time. So it, it smooth routines help keep your classroom like calm and steady, but they also save learning time in the long run. And you always think if you have strong routines in the beginning of the year, when it's May, 
and everything else around the school is starting to break down because the kids are so excited. Including yourself. Including yourself. <laughs> if you have those really strong routines in the beginning of the year and you can maintain them, then it helps keep everything running smooth at the end of the year and running smooth when things are hardest. Yeah, I always think about myself in the spring when I'm setting up my routines <clears throat> because it makes me more of a stickler for getting them right. You know, if they're if they're good in August and you can stay consistent for a couple weeks, they will stay strong throughout the year, you know, and you'll thank yourself at the end of the year when everything else is crazy. And not only do these routines and procedures have significant benefits for you as the teacher, but it helps all types of learners. Oh, and I always sure. think about our kids you know, with anxiety mm -hmm. and who maybe have unstable or unpredictable routines outside of school, mm -hmm. the more predictable and structured that you can be, the more of a safe space it is for those learners. Absolutely. It can calm and ease a lot of anxiety, nerves, you know, it can feel safe. And even if you have a teacher schedule where you rotate your blocks and a student might only have you for one block, you can be that part of their day, that chunk of their schedule that is just predictable. And, and you might be a sense of calm for them during the day. Right. You can be that safe space where they say, I at least always know what the first 10 minutes of math is going to look like mm -hmm. or the first 10 minutes of my English class is going to look like. Yeah. And I think of our students who might struggle with executive functioning too. You know, those kiddos are are doing their best. And a lot of times they don't feel success in certain tasks during the day. But if every single day the start of this class is the same, that's going to become automatic for them. And that can be such a bright spot in their day where they they feel success. Right. You know, they know what to do. They know I get out my my notebook, I get it, whatever your routine is. But if it's the same every day, they can feel really good about knowing what to do. And there's just the automaticity of it. Like mm -hmm. schools are dynamic. You might have a fire a fire drill or a field trip or a rotating schedule. Yeah. Or you might have just had a substitute in your previous lesson and that that sense of calm, that routine, those resetting expectations that come in when they walk into your classroom and it's it's a well-oiled machine. Yep. It helps everybody. That's the thing. I think strong routines and procedures are good for everyone. They're good for all ages, adults included. Like we thrive on routine. Uh, it's summer right now, you know, and I feel like always towards the middle or end of summer, I'm like, okay, I need a little structure back, you know? So if we can apply that thinking to our classrooms, I think it's good for everybody. And for the instructional coaches out there or the principals or the, the department chairs that are coming in, routines and procedures is usually something that you'll get evaluated on. Yeah. It might not even be a criteria that's on your list, but it's something that they notice when they walk in and it sets the impression right away that, okay, this teacher must be pretty good if they have super strong routines and procedures. And that's what you notice, whether it's the entry routine or getting up materials but it, the more automatic the kids are, the more it's going to impress the person observing you and the more it's going to help other teachers who are observing you think, you know, see things that they can borrow. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's not strong routines aren't something that you can employ, you know, a day before your observation or something. Right. They, they don't work that way. Um, you can't really be willy nilly about them. So it's just sort of a simple thing that you can set up and then let it let it do its thing during the year. And it always is something you can fall back on. So we keep saying routines and procedures. Let's let's hit some definitions. Good point. How, how would you define the difference between a routine and a procedure? Yeah, I think 
a lot of the times you can use them interchangeably to be totally honest because they're so they you know apply to the same things that you do during a lesson but the the small difference is that a routine is something you do every day every day like an entry routine every day you enter the classroom right and to me a procedure is something that you do often right so it might be a procedure for getting out certain materials or turning something in. You might not do it every single day, but you do it often enough that you need a plan for how to do that thing. You make me think about when we're going to do labs. If I have to reintroduce our procedure for getting out the equipment or going to the lab tables yep. or setting up the, the safety equipment every time, then I haven't done as good a job as I could do if I had just invested in that time at the beginning of the year. That's a perfect example. Yeah. So entering the classroom is a routine. You do it every day. Getting out your lab equipment will be more of a procedure. You do it pretty often, but not every single day. So let's talk about some routines that we all should have. Yes. Well, and, we were just hinting at the one. Go ahead. Right. The entry routine. Mm -hmm. How you start your class, those first few minutes of class, set up the entire lesson. So I think that the, the first place to begin when you're thinking about your routines and your procedures is just start with the entry. And the entry really has two parts. There's the threshold when you're at the doorway and you're greeting the kids coming in. And then the second part of the entry is the first thing that they'll be doing when they get to their desks. Yeah, exactly. And I think, so to break it down, well, we can look at threshold first, right? Um, and you may have heard of the phrase like controlling the threshold, but we should have some um, sense of control and routine around when they actually are approaching the room and walking through the door. I don't know if you saw the viral, I think it was a TikTok of the amazing teacher who had a different handshake for every kid. Yeah. That was so cool. So that's, that's their entry routine. That's their threshold routine, right? They wait for their teacher and they have a special handshake with them. What a cool way to start the day. Yeah. Think about how cool those kids feel when they have a special handshake with a teacher coming in and like what a joy factor going into your first couple minutes. Absolutely. You see, you, like you feel seen and yeah, you feel, I would love to be in that classroom. I, I want that teacher. <laughs> I like that you talked about controlling the threshold too. It's really just how are the kids entering the classroom space? And you mm -hmm. can even think about it like how are they entering your space? You're the teacher, you're facilitating the instruction it is really your room to own. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference between whether or not the kids enter your space or versus when you enter their space. Right. We, we need to set the tone um, of the room immediately, right? The lesson starts, whether or not we think it does, the lesson starts the second they walk through that door. Yep. Absolutely. And, and sometimes they'll walk in chatting and other times they'll walk in you know, nervous because they have a test or a quiz coming up. Mm -hmm. But we're not saying that it needs to be, you know, a punitive experience or anything negative or anxiety inducing. Right. It's a joyful thing when the kids walk in, but it's just that you're in command of that space yeah. when they first walk in and you're setting the tone for the rest of the lesson. Yeah. Controlling the threshold can sound really intense. You're right. But I, I really like to pace the kids so they know, and I teach them this, they don't go in the room without me. Um, hopefully I'm, I'm there waiting for them, but if I'm not, they wait for me. And an entry routine I did this past year that I loved, I'm going to do it again, is that every day when they were waiting for me, I would greet each student. And when they got to me and I would say hi and, you know, say hello by name, I think it's nice to call them by their name. And I would say on a scale of one to 10, how are you today and why? 
And it became super automatic where even a couple weeks into school, they would just walk up and be like, seven, pretty happy but nervous for a test. You know, they knew that question was coming. But that really quick check-in was super awesome. And it, it gave me a really good pulse on anyone who might be having a rough day, especially if they normally are a little bit higher, right? And then one day they give me like a four. It gives you data to be able to check in. Yeah. I love that. That's a great, you know, social, emotional check-in, just a scale of one to 10. How are you doing today? Mm-hmm. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just thinking one more thing. When you greet them at the door too, then it becomes a slow drip of them actually walking into the room. So you don't end up with, you know, chaos <laughs> inside right. the room. You know, you let one kid in at a time and it, it's just very mellow and very calm and it, it helps learning start sooner. You made me think, I like when the kids wait for me outside too. And, you know, I feel bad if I'm running a little bit behind, but it's just that difference between whether or not they enter my space and I have it all set up, or if I'm walking into their space and they're already talking or they've got their computers out, Mm -hmm. it's much, much more difficult to get those first few minutes right when they've already established the tone for the lesson. Yeah. And it can be difficult. Maybe you're a teacher who needs to rotate and the kids stay in the same place, Mm -hmm. it's completely all right if you let them know and communicate with them that, hey, one of my teacher moves is I like it when you walk into my space, the teacher space. So let's all just get up, walk out, and then do it again. And I think it's more than okay to communicate with the kids. Right. The, The teacher techniques and the teaching techniques that you're trying to use to make learning more effective for everyone. I agree. And I think that's a really good point because everyone's schedule looks different. Everyone's room looks different. And whatever it is, you just need to find what's going to work for you and make it your own. So feel free to, to borrow one of these. There's a million online. But just, you know, I would suggest being mindful about a threshold routine. How do you want to greet kids? How do you want them to come into the room? And then that hits on the second piece of an entry routine, which is what do they do once they cross that threshold? You know, if you have 30 kids and you're greeting them at the door, those first 10 kids are going to be inside the room for a few minutes before you actually come in with that last student. So that's the second piece that we need to think about is what's the routine that students do once they get into the room? Right. I think we're all kind of used to having a do now or a bell work. Mm -hmm. And that's that really is great. Like, oh, yeah. I love putting it up. I use classroomscreen.com all the time. Yes. And that's where I put my do now on. Mm-hmm. And you can set up a timer or two. And you can put little cues in there like, is this a silent time? Or are we whispering? Mm-hmm. Or is this a time that you can chat with your friends? But as they walk in and I'm greeting the kids at the threshold, they know what to do when they're walking in. Absolutely. They, they're getting out their notebooks. They're answering the do now questions. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a diagnostic question. Maybe it's review. Mm -hmm. But you have to have something for them to do as they walk in that's predictable and repeatable. And you're accessing that prior knowledge from a previous lesson. Absolutely. And then once that last kiddo comes in and you follow behind, hopefully, you know, the goal is that everyone's in their seat. They're already cognitively engaged with the material because of your warm-up question and you have a, a second to gather your own thoughts, maybe take attendance really quickly before you dive into the actual lesson. So again, make it your own. I do love Classroom Screen. That is the be- It's free. It's 
the best. Um, make it your own. You might want a paper warm up or whatever. But I would say those are the two things to think about for an entry routine is the threshold. And then what do they do once they get into the room? And then also as they're walking in, like we're saying past the threshold when they walk through that doorway, where is their homework going? Yeah. Right. Like what materials are they getting out and how can you make it seamless and predictable so that the the walkway in from the doorway to their desk happens roughly the same way each time. Mm -hmm. And I know different schools will have different rules and norms about this. Like there used to be this big push that you need to have like a silent entryway. Mm -hmm. And I think it's okay if they're whispering on the way in, but I like putting on a little bit of soft music because I think when there's quiet music, it just calms them down. Yeah. Especially when you got those lessons right after lunch. Oh my goodness. Or right after a break. Or right after PE. And yeah, you need to... You kind of need to bring the level down a bit. Right. But you're right. You do have to work with your school structures and things like that. But you can still put a, a ton of your own spins on it. Yeah. And timers are awesome. And yes. sometimes you want to have, you know, a countdown timer for like three minutes. Or sometimes it can be just as motivating to have a stopwatch and they, you know, they know that you're seeing how long it takes them to get on task. Yeah. That can be a really fun thing too is challenges. I know we'll talk about how to teach routines in a minute, but it can be really fun to have challenges where you're like, okay, how quickly can we whatever. Maybe it's getting out materials for a lab, you know, and you can time time them on that procedure. And each time they do it, they can try and beat their time. That can be really fun. So the entry routine is crucial. Mm -hmm. But it's not quite at the same level, but how they exit also sets the tone for what the transition is going to look like yep. and how they're going to walk into the next class and how they're going to close out your lesson. That's what I think about for the exit routine. So entry to me is non-negotiable. I, I, that just, we have to have an entry routine. For exit routines, again, I think there's two pieces. I think there's the the closing of the lesson, and then I think there's like physically leaving the room. Right. Right. So I like to think about having another consistent routine at the end of the lesson to help kids sort of synthesize and, and boil down their learning from that day, whether it's maybe a turn and talk question or a stop and jot or a mastery check, but something that's consistent every day that is going to give them another chance to um, just kind of touch point with those academics before they go out into the world and, you know, are flooded with a million other <laughs> things to think about. And I know that the, that exit routine, there's that pressure of the pacing of your lesson. Like maybe you're a little bit behind, a few minutes behind, mm -hmm. and you do that exit ticket or you do that mastery check and they just, they scramble and they hand it to you on the way out. But it's even better if you can pace it where you have a few minutes left they do their mastery check and you're able to debrief with the group to say, all right, this was the correct answer. These are some common mistakes that we're seeing. Yep. Let's reflect on what went well today. Let's do shout outs. Yes, I love shout outs at the end of the lesson. And you're so right. We do need to really protect this time, which can be hard. I know I've had those days where the kids are walking out of the room and I'm like shouting their homework to them, you know? Yeah. Um, but ideally, we have a couple minutes to close out, do shout outs. That can be a student job to lead shout outs. They really love that at a lot of different age levels. And then there's the actual leaving the classroom, right? And that looks different for different age groups. If, if you have littles and it's self-contained, you leave the classroom as a group all the time. So you're going to have a special routine for that. But even if you don't, even if like I teach middle school, my kids rotate, they leave my class, I stay in the room, a new class comes in. But I still don't want them just 
you know, packing up three minutes early or stampeding out the door, you know, so you still want to have a predictable, consistent routine for, for how to leave. I love when you see the, the backpacks coming up on the desk and there's like <laughs> three or four minutes left and, yep. you know, they're trying to charm you and they're saying, you know, we've got lunch coming up. Can we leave, you know, three minutes early or it's two minutes early? Day. It's pizza day. Yeah. And yep. you're like, I, that you really almost give into it all the time. Like, I'll let you leave one minute early. And then <laughs> a minute before that, you see that the other, the other class is transitioning oh, out. Oh, yeah. And then they're, they're cranky about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I love that you said, you know, there's the two parts of the exit routine. Mm -hmm. There's how you close out the lesson and how you synthesize the learning. And then just how you actually physically leave the space. Yep. Maybe you're putting the chairs up. Maybe you're at least pushing the chairs in. Maybe you have like a high five or a fist bump on the way out. Exactly. Exactly. Again, whatever you want is is great. Just think of something, right? Because if we don't think of something, they will. And our idea is probably going to be calmer and safer than theirs. Yeah. And some <laughs> teachers have really quick transitions between lessons. Right. So I think if you can at least have a controlled, calm opening and closing to your lesson, mm -hmm. it's going to make that transitional chaos just more easy to manage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the other ones to think about are more procedural, I would say. And you already mentioned a great one. Um, but just thinking of different moments throughout the course of a week or a unit where you're going to be repeating an activity of some sort to the point where it's worthy of planning out a procedure and teaching it to your kids. So like lab materials is perfect. Um, for me, something that I always need to be really mindful about is what is my procedure for handing back graded work? I actually grade work pretty quickly. I'm really good about that turnover time, but then I'm awful about getting it back into their hands. So if I don't have an excellent procedure for that, I will forget. And it looks like I took two weeks to grade right. something, you know? I think we all know, yeah, you're great. They just took a test. You go home and you grade it, but then it sits in your bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it sits in your, sometimes it sits in your bag for long enough that you're just like, oh. Do they really need that? Yeah. You're like, oh, <laughs> thanks for finally grading this. Like, no, I promise you I graded it. Your grade was put in right away. Yeah. Yeah. Another one I think of, I always think of our arts teachers because they have so many different moving pieces for materials and things like that, whether you're like visual or musical you you will probably have a procedure for getting certain materials out. And I would say that that's worth the time and effort to think through that and and teach that procedure to your kids early in the year. Yep. I know it's it's always a bit of a challenge after they have, after you greet them at the door and then they walk in, what do you like? So they walk in the door and then they start their do now. Mm -hmm. Do they keep their homework out on the desk and then right. it's someone's job to collect it? Or is there a turn and bin? But then you're asking them to open up the backpacks as they walk in. Yep. Yep. I think whatever works for your classroom, think about how they're going to turn in homework, how they're going to collect their materials. Mm -hmm. And then as you as a teacher, how are you going to pass back that graded work? And you're actually hinting at chapter three, which is the, the perfect transition for that, which is how to actually teach these routines. And the most important part of that is what you were just saying. It's actually before we have kids in the room or anything, I would, it's July, I would say start this sooner than later, um, is imagine your ideal room very specifically. Picture your ideal lesson. What are students doing? How does it feel? Where are all the things? 
and then actually write that out. You'll see that in teacher training a lot. I know it can sound really fluffy. I think it's super valuable because the more concrete it is in your head, the better then you can now sit down and write directions that are student-friendly to get them to meet that ideal. Right. Like walk it through. Yeah. Like think about, all right, if you want to have a homework turn and bin, Mm -hmm. where are their backpacks Mm -hmm. as they walk in? Are they walking in, putting their backpacks at the seat, taking out their homework, walking over to a bin, and then sitting down and starting the do now? Right. I mean, that's a lot of cross talk between kids as they go by. Yep. It's a good chance to see your friend and just give them like a little bump and, (laughs) you know, joke around a bit. But you have to, I remember teacher training, they made us write out our routines and procedures and it's it's for us. It's to make sure that we've thought it through. 100%. You know, I mean, maybe you end up, and it depends on your room too. Maybe you end up where your students are sitting in groups of four. So then it might be better. Part of the entry routine is they get their homework out and maybe there's a spokesperson from each group whose job it is to collect those and bring them to the turn and bin. And now you might have like six, seven, eight kids getting up instead of however many you actually have in the room. Yep. Yeah. And it makes you think the best places where you can delegate a job, like when my kids come in, I like when they do their do now in a science notebook, Mm -hmm. but I want them to keep that science notebook in the room Yeah. because they lose it and then they don't have it and then they need a piece of paper, but it's, it's in a milk crate. Yeah. And in the beginning, I take out the milk crate, but then sometimes the first kid who comes in, I'll just ask them, hey, can you grab the crate of notebooks? put it on the lab table, and then the kids know to grab their notebooks on the way in. I love that. Class jobs can be super, super helpful for routines. They're good for kids, of course, because it feels good to be helpful. But I make, I'm very selfish about my class jobs. I make them to help me and to help the lesson run smoother. Anything that I can automate or sort of delegate to a student, I really try to do because then it's a win-win. They feel like they're being very helpful. They feel ownership over the room. And I have something off my plate where I can be a little more calm, a little more available, back to the check-in questions. If a kid who normally says they're an eight or a nine says they're a two and then rushes quickly to their desk, I want the time and energy to check in with them. So anything that you can automate, I, I really advocate for doing that. So we were still we were talking about how you're going to teach these routines to your class mm-hmm. and this is usually a first couple of days of school thing that you do, yep. but you've got to practice it and you have to be pretty, uh, strict is the wrong word, but you have to have high expectations about how you're going to practice it. Warm it, demander. Right, a warm demander. Yeah. A perfect practice makes perfect. Yes. It's not just practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Right. And when you, you know, you practice the entry routine a couple times, the kids are going to want to rush through it mm-hmm. and they're going to push back a little bit. They're going to not... They're going to know why you're doing it, but they're just going to politely push back because they want to get started with the lesson. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point. And I think just to back up a tiny bit before you even start practicing, make sure after you do your own work to imagine your perfect routine, right? Make sure that the directions that you write for that routine are as watertight as you can possibly get them and that they're written in student-friendly language, right? So first, we do this. Second, we do that and then stop and practice those two pieces. Yep. You know, then we'll do this and then we'll do that. And it can feel, especially for certain age groups, it can feel a little corny or cringe, as the kids would say, 
but it is so worth it. And after a couple days, it will start to become automatic. Yep. You know? And then you can be like, uh, what was her name? Miss? Mrs. Folklore. Mrs. Folklore, where the kids know exactly what to do. It can be just like her. And it's good <laughs> when you're practicing it, you know, you use the same teacher skills that you use, like positive praise. Yep. Like, we were so much faster this time. Like, we did our entry, we got our notebooks out, we did everything in under two minutes. Great job. Yeah. Let's try it again and let's do it under 145. Yeah. Or even shouting out specific kids, right? That's one of my favorites when you're in the threshold, you're greeting kids. And then I might pause the next student for a second and say, just, just one second. Thank you for waiting. Pop my head in the room and say, oh my goodness, I love how Brian already has pencil to paper on his do now. Thank you so much. Then turn back to the kid. Hi, so-and-so, how are you on a scale of one to 10? So yeah, we still have to use all of our teacher moves to make sure that these end up like Mrs. Folklore. Yep. You know, I, I like that so-and-so has already gotten started on the do now. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. Good job. Mm -hmm. And know that it's okay to ask the kids to do it again. Oh, yeah. And they're going to have to do it again in October when <laughs> it's not as smooth and not as crisp as it was in the beginning of the year. But then you usually only have to do it again once. And it's totally okay to reset the tone and say, team, you're great. However, one small point of feedback, we were a little bit slow coming in. Mm -hmm. Let's try it one more time and let's set the tone for, and you know, let's get set up for success today and crush it. Absolutely. I, I always make a mental note to revisit these things in October. That's when you, we all know October. And sometimes I'll even stop them before I even start the routine and just remind them. And they'll look at you like you're crazy. Like, we know what to do. We've been doing this for two months. But it could be really good to just give give a reminder. Do it again if you need to. And I think one of my favorite things about having these really smooth routines is that it sets the expectation that you have high expectations, right? If you care about that and you're getting that piece of the day perfect, it's clear that you care about other things too. And it really does change the tone in the room. Right. You had the great phrase before when you said warm demander, mm. you know, like you have high expectations for them, but you're doing it in a very warm, loving and supportive way. Absolutely. It's never gotcha. It's never punitive, but we will get it right. Right. They, and we always remember those teachers who had the highest expectations for us, but facilitated it in a caring way. Yeah, So exactly. I think we're we're approaching our final chapter for teacher facing routines. Yes, and this is more of a like just amusing, just an idea, but I find it really helpful to have some personal routines during the school day that are just for me. Like it's the kids don't have any idea about them, but I have my own attendance routine. I have had my own routines in the past where if the schedule is consistent, it's like every day during this break, I read through their mastery checks, you know, and whatever your content grade level schedule looks like, it's going to vary drastically from teacher to teacher. But if you can automate a couple things for yourself, it can make each day go a lot more smoothly. Right. I love that. Like I think about when the kids have the mastery checks and they'll do it on a sticky note mm -hmm. and you know they're leaving and then they might put it up on the door. If I've got that, if I'm walking to my duty or if I'm walking to lunch, right. I can just take all those sticky notes off the door. I can look at them while I'm walking and then put them in my pocket and you know put them in the grade book as soon as I get back. Right. Or even just get immediate feedback of like, oh man, they all kind of missed that point on velocity. And then you know to incorporate that tomorrow. And if you teach the same lesson again later, that's feedback that maybe I should 
you know, kind of hit velocity a little harder because my last block missed it. Yeah. And I like having the, I think that you mentioned having little checklists Mm -hmm. for the first couple of minutes of class saying, all right, I have to take the papers out of my bag yes. and I'm going to put them on <laughs> and I'm going to make sure that I take the homework out of their turn and bin. I'm going to pass around the papers. I'm going to give praise to 10 kids. Yeah. I'm going to take the attendance and then we're going to go over the agenda. Exactly. You can make your own checklist. I think this is super helpful too if you are a little newer or if your content has changed or your grade level has changed or maybe you're not new but you're at a new school. If any part of your daily routine is changing, I think it's super helpful to have a daily checklist because then it's out of your head. It's one less thing to worry about and you can just you know, physically look at it. I have a little one on the corner of my laptop and it just lives there all year. Yeah. I think we all feel a little bit better when we can take something out of our brains, put it on a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. and then it can just live there. Yeah. So that's sort of that final piece is just, are there any other small routines that you can incorporate in your own day to take something off of your plate as the year goes on? Right. And you know, it's summer right now. It's Hmm. the best time to think about this. Yep. How are the kids going to walk in? How are they going to walk out? How are they going to collect their materials? Mm -hmm. If you have littles, how are they going to line up? How are you going to go to the restroom together? Yep. And think about, you know, what if you were five minutes late? Yeah. What if you were 10 minutes late? What would it look like? What would your kids do? I'm hoping it will look like Mrs. Folklore's room. Yeah, I think Mrs. Folklore, she needs to come around and observe. and and (laughs) We should have her be a guest. She's got to come be a guest. (laughs) So let us know if there are any other routines or procedures that you love, your tried and true favorites, anything you think we missed. Reach out on social media, send us a DM, and stay tuned for the next episode. And thank you for listening to School Bridge. See you soon. See you soon.